Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund, and you can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We intend to rip that opaque lid off conventional venture capital and show you how it works. And there you have it, folks. Hi, Jillian. Hi, Anne. What should we talk about this week, Jillian? Well, it seems like the world spent almost all of 2020 locked in safe rooms or, you know, kind of of one sort or another. Other Anyway, some of us did really well. I know people who wrote books, uh, business plans, life plans. Uh, you know, others found their inner Rembrandt. They started painting and so on. Mark Suster, our old friend, is uh, writing a series about how he shed more than 60 pounds and returned to his healthy college weight, as he calls it. And uh, albeit he started that journey, of course, before COVID hit. I think it took him 18 months, but well done. Um, so others didn't do so well. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who had, a, had to shutter their startups. Uh, some braved it well. Others suffered greatly. A lot of people did absolutely nothing. And um, it was really tough all around. But as we emerge ever so gingerly from 2020 uh, into 2021, I'd like to talk about another kind of room. I want to talk about deal rooms. They're also known as data rooms, or as Investopedia calls it, a virtual data room. And Investopedia has the gall to suggest that we use the initials VDR to refer to it. And as you know, I am not a fan of that kind of obfuscation. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So listen, call it what it is. Use the initials. No no snicklets, acronyms, internal jargon. You know, it just keeps out the uninitiated. And it's necessary only if you don't have a real moat around your work. When you use jargon that only people in your industry can understand, you are purposely preventing others from understanding, learning, or being a part of your little circle. And that's a terrible way to prove not that you are an expert in anything. Avoid it at all costs and call out people when they use that kind of terminology. You'll never learn anything in this field of venture capital. I can tell you that for certain, unless you constantly call people out and plainly say, I don't know what that contraction or that set of initials needs. Please say that in plain English. And since I decided to do that some years ago, just about the time when I no longer cared whether people thought me a fool for not knowing all their internal jargon or not. And I call it tribal speak, the internal language of a group of people who work in the same profession, right? And since then, I've learned a great deal about, uh, you know, lots of industries, not just venture capital, but particularly venture capital. And a lot about people, I'd have to say. I've learned how people respond when someone simply says, I need you to define that. So many people across all kinds of professions have actually confessed to me that they don't know what the initials they just used stood for. 
they kind of know what the item or the concept is that they refer to and what that means, but they have no idea what the initials are for or why they're used to name that, you know, for that naming convention, whatever the heck that thing was. Now, in demanding clear language over the years, I've opened up a lot of knowledge, a world of knowledge for myself, quickly and efficiently. I only wish I'd begun that practice of calling people out for hoarding their knowledge and aggrandizing their knowledge in their own fields of specialty sooner. Now, with that, I'm going to get off my soapbox here. Well, as, as you step off the soapbox, I'd just like to point out that this idea of uh, 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 processes designed to put up walls is actually, we're going to be talking about that, you know, is later on yep. in, the, in this show. So it's highly mm-hmm. relevant. Okay. Yes, as, it is. <laughs> as you were, Chief. <laughs> okay, boss. Here we go. Now, about those VDRs, those virtual data rooms, I never hear want to hear anybody call them VDRs again. Here, we plainly call them deal rooms. Now, our now slender and stronger colleague, Mark Suster, happens to have something interesting around the ideas of these kind of deal rooms. So we're going to take a look at dealer data rooms. We're going to share some information about when to create them, what to put inside them, how to share them, and some wisdom about whether or when to create them at all. Sounds like fun. I'll get started with a definition from our favorite reference source, Investopedia. <laughs> go to yeah, the well one more yeah, yeah, one yeah. back to the well one more time. Um, mm-hmm. or the freezer or whatever you want to call it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, despite their reference to initials instead of a clear name for deal rooms, you know, we'll forgive them that bit. They okay. have a pretty good definition. And it is, and I'm quoting, a secure online repository for document storage and distribution. Mm, Pretty simple. Yeah. So let's pause for a moment um, and consider the notion of securing corporate documents. Before we go on, I would just like to remind our listeners that important corporate information must never, ever, ever, ever be sent by email. If we learn nothing else in 2016, it is that email is not secure. And I'm not just talking about politics. We have heard numerous accounts of CEOs who were embarrassed and worse by emails that were leaked. So do not attach detailed financial projections to an email and hit send. Instead, (laughs) put them in a safe place and grant access to those you choose. Um, Just sure, emailing marketing materials such as a pitch deck or a one pager is okay most of the time. Just keep in mind, critical data needs to be treated with all appropriate respectful caution. Okay, now off my soapbox, Jillian, (laughs) tell us more about who uses virtual deal or data rooms and why. Well, that's pretty straightforward, yeah. The deal or the data rooms are used for a number of situations, not just to share documents between entrepreneurs and VCs. Deal rooms are created to share sensitive data among uh, businesses in the process of forming and managing partnerships, hence the two terms. Deal room is the term used most frequently during the negotiations to form a partnership, for example, and data room would be the term most frequently used for the place where documents are stored and shared throughout the lifetime of the partnership. 
makes sense. Multinational corporations could use internal data rooms to share sensitive documents between divisions. Mergers and acquisitions negotiations uh, call for deal rooms. Uh, there are actually service providers that specialize in hosting deal rooms. And everybody take note, VCs and, and, and entrepreneurs in like do not, we do not recommend that you purchase such a service for sharing the documents between VCs and entrepreneurs at this stage. Dropbox or a similar storage service is just fine. Microsoft and Google offer what we've been assured by those in the know are far more secure options. And these, of course, are without cost. So quite simple. If you're managing a multi-billion dollar merger and acquisition that has to be kept hush-hush, you need this kind of service. If you share sensitive documents across multinational divisions, partners, or contractors, a paid deal room might be in order. Paid services offer complex options. For example, Captera is so complex that it provides live training, I kid you not, documentation, 24-7 service to help its customers manage the complexities of their deal rooms. Now, prices there start at 500 bucks a month and they go up. Between an entrepreneur and a VC who's trying to determine whether they're interested in funding a startup and so on, much of the complex offerings are not necessary. Things like access controls and permissions and audit trails and collaborative things, uh, data storage management, document indexing, secure file viewing, all of these are nominally excessive for simple data sharing at this stage in this application. So to the founders, I say, don't get wrapped around the axle about this. Beware of companies trying to sell you stuff. When a potential investor asks to see your data, keep it simple and be wary of some or all who ask. We'll cover that later in the show. Right, so that brings us to our next topic, how to set up a deal room. As you note, Jillian, we suggest that entrepreneurs set up a master folder in Google Docs labeled with their company name. That's it. No need to get fancy. And inside that master folder, create folders labeled, oh, let's see, capital raise, finance, governance, legal, IP, pitch deck, references, team, you know, all the usual stuff. Mm -hmm. So with that, we need to take a break for our sponsors. Uh, we'll be right back with more insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, we opened our conversation with a definition of deal or data rooms and an idea of who uses them, why, and how to set them up. Now, Jillian, tell us what goes into an entrepreneur's deal room created to share info with VCs. Sure thing. So that last bit you just said, a deal room created to share info with VCs is the crux of how you should be thinking about deal rooms, you know, from both sides of the fence here. Um, There's a general order of conversations when raising capital from venture capitalists, right? Uh, So the first is they're going to want to see your deck as an entrepreneur, right? Generally, the entrepreneur will mail or, or mail a link to this Uh, deck, right? You can set up a deal room that contains that link and everything else and open it all at once, but it's not likely to increase the interest of the VC or even increase the speed of any offer that might come your way. Just email the deck or the link to your deck, open the conversation. Now, if as a VC we're interested in looking further, we're likely to ask to see two things. One, information about your IP and any protection that it may or might have, or in other words, you know, is it patentable, protectable in some manner, and so on, and expanded in-depth financials. We really want to dig in. Do we have a business here? Yeah, the IP information should include information about whether your IP is patentable. That's different from sharing the IP itself. Don't put the original IP materials into your deal room. Oh, boy, I have to get up another soapbox here. Uh, Yes, exactly. Please don't. (laughs) No no matter which company is hosting your deal room, nothing is completely secure. Be mindful of that. I would say that's a pretty good point, Ann. So as VCs, we look at business issues. Can the IP be patented or is it already patented or en route to being protected? Now, if your VC is a a tech geek and wants to geek out about the IP itself, well, that's a discussion or perhaps an in-person visit post-COVID, right? Feel free to draw the line where you're comfortable, right? Now, on to finances. Put your financial projections in there. That's really the next thing we're looking for. Generally, this will include three to five years worth of financial projections that demonstrate how the company will grow, the costs of growing it, the benefits, in other words, the profits, to be earned by investing. That's the VC's role and doing the work. That's where the entrepreneurs come in and the team skills, you know, they come into play. Now, this financial projection is critical. It demonstrates that somebody in the company is at the helm of the business issues of this company. A company composed of technologists is just an idea or maybe a product. 
a company with a business leadership team in place is a real company. This is where you prove that your leadership team can take this company to the finish line. Second thing you should put in there, related, cash flows, P&Ls. As VCs, we want to see what your historical cash flow and profit and loss summaries uh, you know, look like. We want to get a feel for how the company is and where it is today, how it got here, and how the capital has been spent to date. So again, P&L, one of those uh, initials, profit and loss summaries. And finally, any existing financial contracts, borrowing facilities and terms, including outstanding loans, revolving credit, lines of credit, other, you know, either they were used or they are available to the company. We need to get a financial picture of where your company is headed. And once we've seen projections and prior financial statements, if we see a strong business opportunity and see that the business leader is in the company and has a good sense of what it's going to take to build this company, we'll want to keep diving in. So the next step is that we will want to know about your financial obligations, short-term, mid-term, long-term debt, other investments, and any other financial agreements you've got. Mm -hmm. In this folder of documents, include partner agreements in which you may split expenses or revenues, long-term purchase agreements for any part, service, or utility that your company may use. Perhaps you have a long-term agreement to purchase a chip from a specific manufacturer uh, in order to control and hedge your costs. This is where that agreement would go. Yeah, all of the above and anything else you can think of that is relevant to your financial health at the moment. Um, Finally, investors want to know that a company has all its legal documents in order. So we, uh, you know, these entrepreneurs listening in, okay, now it's time to add into your deal room all of your legal docs, formation documents, amended and restated articles of incorporation, as well as perhaps your original. But really, it is only the amended and restated that are important, because that's the one that governs you now. Operating agreements, licenses, annual filings, include all your tax filings, cap table. Yep. Yeah, a cap table. Guess what? It's a legal document, although it contains financial information because it uh, indicates to whom you are legally obliged to uh, <laughs> share right. your your uh, results with, you know, your winnings. Right. So along with your cap table, include these documents. Also, very legal. Voting agreements, very important. Right. Not everybody right. who has stock gets to vote, right? So That's right. Yeah. Voting agreements, we're looking for those. Uh-huh. Investor rights agreements. Well, of course, we're looking mm-hmm. for those. Yeah, we're looking for follow-ons, uh, uh, carry rights, all kinds of things, right? We want to know what are the investor rights. Also, similarly, first refusal and co-sale agreements. Mm-hmm. which um, often can undermine a deal because it can restrict your the opportunities or sometimes they can give uh, a security to the future. It's But they need to be there. They need to be. Yeah. Uh, we haven't used this word yet, Jillian, transparent. Mm-hmm. They need to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good word. Good word. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we use it all the time and we hadn't used it yet today. Okay. Um, then, uh, of course, stock purchase agreements and yep any documents and details on previous raises. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. So again, if you've raised any capital before, all of that information needs to go in there. Angels, friends, families, whatever. So also include your internal policies, contracts, and agreements. This would be employment agreements, strategic partnership agreements, a company policy manuals that may be distributed to employees or others. Include your HR uh, guidelines and anti-discrimination policies, the handling of complaints for harassment or discriminations, and so on. Anything that operates the internal workings of your company, this is where we want to know. Right, because an important piece of information for us considering an investment is how the company operates. Mm -hmm. It's also about good governance. Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah, there's more to good governance than the contracts that we just talked about, these internal things. What else goes in there? Well, governance documents would include finance lines of responsibilities, who makes decisions, what are the checks and counterchecks, uh, names, real names. It, we're taking mm -hmm. names here and yeah. roles. Yeah, um, we want to know who's, who's got their you know, finger on the button here. Absolutely. Uh, another one is banking relationships and signing authorities. Um, and as well, procurement practices and authority limits, very important, and mm -hmm. insurance policies. Yeah. Now, if you have customers and so on, you want to add the customer partnership contracts and agreements. Uh, you know, what are they going to look like or what do they look like? Are they beta here? Are they changing there? Include expressions of promise to move forward with beta tests. In other words, if you have an email or a letter that says, yes, we'll start it on February 1, on June 12, whatever, put that in there. This is, you know, where we really want to see it. This is not a legal document. These are expressions of interest, uh, almost what we would have called letters of interest. And finally, although you probably have a brief line about each of your leadership's team ba team's background in your pitch deck, yeah. add complete leadership bios. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is where you put the whole thing. So again, your pitch deck can be very short on those things and uh, simple. This is where you add the full information. Um, we do often find, Dan, don't we, that people spend a great deal of time extolling the leadership team's background during the pitch. And it's like, it's enough. We'll, we'll pick it up later. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, with all that in the deal room, um, VCs, you know, pretty much have everything they're going to need to make a reasonable decision about whether to pursue funding. Uh, this more always and the questions will come up almost, you know, customized, if you will, deal by deal. But in general, this kind of covers the, the bulk of it. But here are the important things to remember, both as an entrepreneur and as an investor. You don't need all this information in a nested set of folders right out of the gate. As I mentioned before, there's a pattern, a cadence to the conversations with VCs. We'll let you know what we need when we need it. Start with a strong pitch deck. Have your financial projections ready to share. Everything else can follow when you get a request. It's good to be prepared, but don't go crazy about this, entrepreneurs. And investors listening in today, if you have a list of what you want to see, share that as early as possible with the entrepreneurs. If you think you're going to be at all interested enough in this deal to pursue it, share it with them now. This is you know, going to help this business leader to be prepared without having to do extra work to provide things of which you, know, you have no interest. Basic common courtesy on all sides is in order. Funding is stressful for both parties, both sides of the table, as Mark Schuster would say, right? After the break, we're going to hear what he has to say about all of this. And secondly, 
put all of this in perspective, backup paperwork is just that. On the flip side, if you don't have at least the rudiments in place, a very solid pitch deck that focuses on the business aspects of your business and solid financial projections based on bottom-up estimates of the costs of building the, the business, right, and the rewards of doing so, then you're really not ready to talk to VCs. Until those things are in place, don't waste our time. Don't waste yours. Okay. Yeah, good points, Jillian. Um, oh, I'll flesh that out a bit before we take a break for our sponsors. By a solid pitch deck, Jillian is referring here to a pitch deck that focuses on the business model, how the company gets to scale, the costs of building the business, and reserves no more than a couple of slides to describe the product itself and one slide that sh shows the size of the market. Everything else in the deck is focused on the business that offers your fancy product. And by solid financial projections, Jillian is referring to financial projections that are not based on gaining one half of 1% of a massive market, because after all, who can't get that tiny one half percent, right? No, that is not how to build a viable and believable financial projection model. Start from the bottom up. What is the cost per acquisition, otherwise known as a CPA, of one customer? How many thousands of customers will you have before that CPA drops to a tenth of what you pay to get that customer today? Ladies and gentlemen, that is scaling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. um, so uh, how much does it cost to serve a customer today? What will it cost to serve a customer when you have 100,000 customers, 1 million customers? Okay, you get the idea. As VCs, we don't want to see the broad brush stroke that says brilliant advertising is going to get you a share of a big market. We want to see how this sausage is going to be made. And and if you are a capable, business-minded entrepreneur, you want to see it too. Your financial projection tells us who we are dealing with, a wizard, which is the idea person, the visionary, or an executor, a business person with the chops to take this company to a successful finish line. And with that, we'll take another break for our sponsors. You are listening to VC Confidential, and we will be right back. Okay, we're going to take the last segment a little short, uh, yeah. so four to five minutes on that one. Okay. Good. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing, from SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry on air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, 
WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. We are so glad you joined us. Today we are talking about deal rooms or data rooms, what goes into them and what should not. We came across a surprising comment by Mark Suster, who seems to feature prominently in this episode, <laughs> Jillian, <laughs> um, so, uh, whom we mentioned at the top and in the middle. A couple of years ago, I think it was 2018, he posted on his, his Both Sides blog, data rooms are where fundraising processes go to die. Really? Jillian, what are we to make of such a statement, which even the man who said it admits is counterintuitive? Yes, it was a good headline, right? And and you and I both know from our marketing days, uh, good headlines worth a fortune. What Mark is really saying here is that there are a hundred ways to say no. He calls this the traditional process designed to put up walls. Many of them are a waste of your time. And when an investor is not engaged enough to want to invest and doesn't know really how to be direct about that, they say, uh, can we see your data room? Ah, I get it. It's a California no, which, by the way, is a real thing in Hollywood. People, <laughs> yeah, well, people it's a real thing never, in Silicon Valley, too. <laughs> yeah, people so also in California, shall we point out, you know, mm-hmm. it's a California no, for anybody who's never heard it, if you're in the East somewhere, it is when people never actually say no to you. They just keep moving out the meeting, you know, postponing, 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 or they just, yes. you know, they just don't know how to be direct and oh can we use that t word again transparent so there you go you're you're absolutely right and this is exactly the same process so you know to investors you know don't do it basically right so what what suster is really recommending is to only provide your data to uh, potential investors with whom you are already engaged in other words don't share the deal room, uh, you know, at, at first blush, if you will. If they're seriously engaged and you've gone past all of those first conversations and they've taken a look at both the deck and the financials and now they need to dig and now we're getting on, yeah, that's fine. And this rarely happens on the initial conversation, folks, possibly not even the second. So further, he recommends presenting your data live and in person or a web meeting or on the phone, so on, and walking them through it. So again, you don't just share the link to your data room, but you actually set a meeting and you go through it folder by folder. If an investor is not willing to meet with you, forget about it. They're not going to invest, right? And again, meet with you could be virtual and so on. But truly, if they don't want to go through your data room with you, they are not actually performing the due diligence that gets to funding. They just asked you for the data room. And if- they are ready to invest that they want to, you know, they want to go through it with you and make sure they have everything they need. And they can say, oh, get me that and that and the other thing. And my lawyers want to see the other. And then you begin to set a date. So save your precious time on a more likely investor. Well, exactly. And there are two points uh, that I, two takeaways I got from what uh, 
uh, Mark Suster was saying, and it goes back to that, you know, putting up walls or excluding the yes. uninitiated. But the two takeaways I got, the first one was that asking for a live meeting is a test. It, that tests mm -hmm. the, it helps you gauge the uh, potential engagement or engageability of that investor. So that's very important. It gives you important feedback. But the second one is equally important. And you can actually use this in your discussions about um, trying to convince them to take a meeting with you. And it is this, that if um, you are, uh, you say, I'd like to walk you through it live, it gives you the opportunity to uh, gauge and judge how they're responding and you mm -hmm. so that you can really and you know focus it on what is of their interest and just before we close i want to say this reminds me so much of when we used to do um uh pitches back at beyond inc and people would say well you know can you answer an rfp and we'd say no you know we'll sit down with you and we'll go over with it you know we're not going to put all our stuff in an rfp uh, because we don't want to be just another piece of column fodder on somebody's somebody's right. excel spreadsheet well it does make sense i mean just think about it if you're interested in anything on this planet if somebody says you know i'm happy to walk you through it you go yeah 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 i'm interested and if you're not you don't want to set that meeting that's right. right. There's your litmus test on both sides. So investors, be mindful and be gracious and uh, don't do this to your entrepreneurs. And did you really just say both sides? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mr. Sister. Okay, yeah. that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and we share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who agreed to take a chance on our new show, VC Confidential, now in its 32nd episode. <laughs> you can listen to all of our episodes right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts. You will also find all of our CEO Coach podcasts there as well, all 10 plus years. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.